0: Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. I can't believe she fell out of bed and well, all the trauma associated with that. Could I just go down a couple, of, a little bit, please? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. You can hear me still, can't you? Yvonne, thanks. Good job. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for sharing your, your testimony like that. Wow. That's lovely. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me tell you about Frank. Abigail, I don't know if you've seen the movie Catch Me If You Can, but it's loosely based on a true story. You know when they say it's based on a true story, it's not. Some of these uh, connections sometimes are so loose, it's hardly based on it. But I think there's some connection to reality. But the reality is, look, Frank Abigail Jr. is on the run. He's a, a trickster. He can buy his way into any situation. And the FBI agent, what's his name now? Uh, Frank Hanratty is after him because this is high-profile fraud okay and at one stage he catches up with uh, Frank's dad Frank Abagnale uh, senior and he's trying to get him to reveal the whereabouts and I keep remembering I've got to stay over here haven't I Uh, to reveal the whereabouts of where his son is and to this Frank responds and it's a really powerful moment in the movie And it's something like this from memory. I will never hand in my son to you. Never. (laughs) And it's it's a powerful portrayal of that dedication, the commitment, that uh, concern and love operating between father and son. There is no way, you know, on the pain of death. Is Frank going to give away any information leading to his son's whereabouts? And look, we started the Lord's Prayer last week. At the pace you will figure it out from today, we're going, it's going to be some months. But we'll have, we'll have breaks in between. Uh, we started with just looking at this, this idea of God being Father. And I know it's not foreign to us, but it's, it was foreign to the Jews. This concept that we could relate to God as father in this personal sense, was completely revolutionary. In a society where, and our children here are less helpless, perhaps than they were in the Middle East, but in the Middle East, you relied on your father, even more than your mother. He brought in income, he ensured that you were looked after, taken care of. In a society where children were utterly dependent on their fathers, Jesus reveals God as father to us. That's last week's sermon. I don't want to go on too much there. But just I want to throw one more quote in. This is by a commentator called Keener, And this is where he says, Our Father, imp- Our Father implies intimate communion. The deepest type. Remember we said it's Trinitarian. That communion that Father and Son have within the Trinity is something of the depth of it here. But this is what he says about prayer: prayer. Effective prayer is not a complex ritual but a simple cry of faith predicated on an assured relationship. We make it complicated, don't we? And and we have to, you know, we sometimes feel, well, I can't pray, I haven't quite got myself ready for it. Well, hey, you just do it. It's meant to be spontaneous. It's not meant to be complex. It can be brief or long. It just needs to be the cry of a desperate person to a, Father who's listening, remember Peter's prayer when he was drowning? There's nothing complex about it or ritualistic. It was just merely Jesus help me. And it's remembering this that when we come to God in prayer, we come into if we can turn turn this upside down, we come into a Goliath, we're coming to one who is a father who's undefeated all-powerful, and is essentially, and this is the wonder of the Christian religion, if you like, who's entitled, who's called, whose substance is, whose DNA profile is love. He's love. God is love. And so, hey, pray to your Father. Simply often, daily, moment by moment. So that was last week. Our Heavenly Father is to be the direct object of our prayers. Now today, secondly, just still in the same couple of words of the verse there, our second point, in addressing God as our Father, what does he say to us? He says something to us, doesn't he? He says... That we're responsible for one another. We can't hop, skip and jump that. It it qualifies Father here. He's not just merely Father, even my Father. Look, if you're interested, the Greek here is a Greek word, ego, it can mean I, it can can be in the singular, in context here, it's plural. It's our Father. Can you see, when we pray Jesus' prayer, by the very fact, that we're praying to Father. It puts us in a solidarity with every believer across the world. It brings us into concern for one another. It reminds us that we belong to the family. It puts me, it makes me, in, in the words of is it Cain, who killed Cain, killed Abel. Abel. Who killed who? Cain killed Abel. Am I right? Nathan, tell me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay. It, it puts me. In Cain's shoes, you know, in the affirmative, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, yeah, dummy, yeah. And so in praying the Lord's Prayer, our minds have to go to it, almost as though before we can move on, what's my relationship like with the brotherhood? Or sisterhood, okay. Well, do you mind if I just stick the brotherhood? Well, it gets very long-winded, and the sermon will be double the length. Okay, uh, with the brotherhood worldwide, Adelaidean, but that's easy because you're never going to meet them. This is where it gets hard. The Living Word Church brotherhood. What's our relationship like? And look. Look, right at the the beginning of my sermon, I'm not dealing with any issues in the church here, okay? On the contrary, I want you to be encouraged. As challenging as it may be this morning, and we're just going to stick to this the whole morning, not the whole morning, the rest of the sermon, okay? I want you to be encouraged because, hey, you guys are living the life here. Not just the sun, sea, and surf. I know there's not a lot of that today. But I'm in the Christian life, and I see this. And for me, it's beautiful to see and beautiful to experience. So be encouraged. Don't be, don't be beaten up. But at the same time, hey, we can always do more, Come, we? We can always do better. So let's see what we can learn. Let me show you, first of all, what being mindful of, of the brotherhood doesn't look like. It's easy to start there. Here's what it doesn't look like. Uh, Luke 15. Meanwhile, the older brother's in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has got him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. And so his father went out to him and, 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 he, and spoke to him, and he answered, Father, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me, even as a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. That's what it doesn't look like. It's ugly, isn't it? And it may seem far off, but you know... Uh, this is the third church ever the privilege of pastoring. I see it. In churches. I know we have a divide here and look, it's getting wider and wider, I've noticed. Okay? But we really have people who will never twain, will never speak, will never have anything to do with each other in church. I remember when I was studying at Bible college, uh, I had a Monday job, it was at study leave, but like most students, we are always skint. And so I worked at a local factory, my background was engineering, so they put me on, on some equipment a bit like this. I think you'll get your on the screen. That's not me, incidentally. I know, uh, yeah, 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 way too handsome. Uh, but uh, that kind of stuff. And I remember when I first walked into this uh, workshop, and as I was heading towards one of these stations they were going to give me, Every person on their station was all of a sudden, you know, almost hogging their machine, afraid that I would take their machine off them. All of a sudden, it was mine, mine, mine. No brotherhood there, I tell you. Seriously, he like, who are you, mate? I mean, he soon became one, and they were a great bunch of lads. Look, do you know what we say? It's never a bad thing. This was it. It's never a bad thing. and I've done it a couple of times in between my past, so it's, for a pastor to spend some time back with real people, doing a real job, seven till five, every day, no flexibility, told off for turning late. Great thing about being a pastor, no one tells you, if you, tells you off if you're late. <laughs> right? And so, look, brotherhood, brotherhood doesn't look anything like that. It looks nothing like the prodigal. It's not about mine and me and what belongs to me and what I deserve and what they don't deserve. It looks nothing like that. Here's how it does look. Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. you know the Lord's Prayer reminds me? I'm not an island. Neither me nor my family. We're not an island. We're not here. Look, we're immigrants. Still aren't we, sort of. But in a couple of years, we may no longer be regarded as immigrants, okay? But we are. But this isn't about me and my family and making it a garbage in Australia. That's not what a Christian is. I belong to you, you belong to me. you have a responsibility towards me. I have a responsibility t- towards you. And, and what Paul is saying here is, is that uh, the self, the Montes, the individual, the identity that I must, may cherish outside of faith, has, I just need to move again, has to go. It's no longer about me. It can never be about me. It must never be about Montez or even Montez's family. We can't hide behind the family while I'm taking care of a group. No. Who do I belong to, ultimately? That's not good, is it? Thank you, Matt. I'm back. Who do I belong to? I belong to this side of the family. Okay, You're much nicer looking, Lorraine. Yeah, okay. The me centre has to go. Looking now for what concerns me and my family has to be Put alongside the family. In short, it has to be like Jesus. And what did he do? He set aside heaven to be one of us, to relate to us, to share with us. Paul continues, uh, this time to Timothy. And look, and this is gender specific and age specific. Listen to this do not rebuke an older man harshly. But exhort him as you as if he were your father. You know, one of the things about being a pastor, you get too big for your boots. And you start telling everybody how to do stuff. And you're talking to older men as though they're little kids. And, and, and you don't even know you're doing it. And you think it's your right because you're the pastor. They're meant to submit to you. You are their boss. What does Paul say here? In how do we demonstrate brotherly love to people who are older than us? The grey-haired people? Okay? As though they're our fathers. I think he's saying this to you, Nikki. I think he's saying to you, Nikki. you lorate, you lorate, you, you, uh, what's the word? I'm Not, not lorate. Relate. Thank you. Boy, something's going wrong up there today. You relate to Lorraine. It's because your name is confusing me, Lorraine. as, As someone who's your senior in maturity, your senior in wisdom, your senior in a person. And it means that if she does something terrible to you, there's a way of dealing with that. That's different to how you would deal with it if it was um, the young lady at the back. Boy, I'm really struggling today, aren't I? What's your name? Have you been coming here long? Kate. T. <laughs> I, I, really, I've got to get a better. I'm welcome. 4.30 this morning. I don't know why I just did, okay? Right. It means we relate differently. And here's, here's a hard one. And guys, I'm speaking to guys here, particularly, particularly guys. Although in today's world, it's also women, I'm sure. But to guys, how do we relate to women? To younger women as sisters with absolute purity. That means we don't look at them. We're not deliberately looking after them. With Spell it out. We're, let's be honest here. Lust. It means when there's a woman up here. If I can't look at it cleanly, look away. Look elsewhere. And I think in today's world, I think it works both ways now. When we pray Jesus' prayer, It encapsulates that right at the beginning. How we relate, even down to sexual purity in our thoughts. In Colossians, I want to be brief on this one, uh, because it comes up later in the prayer. Okay, We're instructing on tolerance. That's too strong. Accommodation. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has, has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, you know I have a lot of liberties, but the one liberty I don't have, and you don't have, is to hold that sin against that brother. Ever. Do you know the world looks at us and we assume, don't we, we assume the thing they're most interested in is our righteousness. They don't care about our righteousness. They hate our righteousness. They think we're goody-two-shoes. That's not what they're looking at. you know what they're looking at? How do we treat our wounded? How do we treat those who fall? I was with the pastor recently. I spend a lot of time with pastors now for prison fellowship, as you can know. And look, and it, and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I get a lot of good fellowship. You know, we can just, you know, just spurt out all our woes, you know, all the ways Nicky's upsetting me last week. Seriously, it's just talk about therapy. Okay? Every pastor ought to work for prison fellowship. But I heard one pastor say to me recently, and, and the tone hurt me. I knew I shouldn't have said kid. The tone hurt me. They were referring to about another pastor who I knew, I know, uh, who's not in ministry now for a particular reason. Um way away from here. And and, and they referred to them as oh, and he's fallen. And you know, that's not how we treat people. It's not how we treat pastors. They're just people too. How we treat our wounded, our fallen, those who sin against us or against the fellowship, speaks far more powerfully about us than all our goody acts. Bear with one another, says Jesus. Forgive one another. Are we going to see in the Lord's Prayer how much has he forgiven us? Moving on to more practical expressions of brotherhood. James 1. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Look, I know we have Centrelink, and if, if you're a widow or a divorcee or single mom or whatever it may be, uh, th- there's a lot of help, isn't there, generally? I mean, it may, look, I don't suppose it's great help, but it's enough to keep you off uh, poverty. Women in, in Roman culture in the first century, widows particularly, divorcees, had no income, no one to care for them. They were on the bread line, literally. And so, and so here's, here's James, the brother of our Lord, addressing this, demonstrating what it looks like to be Christian. It's what's going on in Acts 6, isn't it, when they have to set up a diaconate so they can look after these widows that have been overlooked. I think it says to us that also, although there's social welfare in our world, it doesn't the responsibility of taking care of the the less fortunate members of our church, the more vulnerable members of our church still is something that we have to be concerned about. And look at orphans. I mean, with compassion, I mean a lot of us here our that support compassion, started in nineteen fifty-two by an American pastor who went to Korea on a preaching tour, but was so moved by the plight of orphans, went back and began compassion. His primary focus was to deal with orphans. Here in Australia, Compassion 2021 supported 126,241 orphans. Hey, I think Compassion is a ministry that every church in the world ought to be a part of. And every member supporting orphans in some way and i think just james's point is having regard for the most vulnerable people in our society who can't fend for themselves he goes on in chapter 2 verse 14 what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save him suppose a brother or a teacher so suppose a brother um, or a sister is with our clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is, and if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And look, this is an incredibly powerful one that Luther, Luther called James the gospel of or the book of straw or something like that. I can't even think of it quite clearly at the moment because he thought this sounded like too much like works religion. And yet James the brother of Jesus, isn't embarrassed to say, hey, if you're a Christian and you never do anything for the Christian world, you're not a Christian. Strong stuff. Because ultimately, not that work saves us, but there's something about a Christian who he cannot help himself, but do good stuff to people around him when he sees need. And look, let me tell you this. When, when When you encounter... A family who have lost all their material goods, virtually everything they own overnight, find themselves homeless, clothless, moneyless, foodless, whatever else less you can think of, and you guys go out of your way to make sure that they got clothes in the back. Food on the table. Do you know? I have I've hardly cooked in the last three weeks. Seriously, I've hardly cooked. I think I've cooked two meals. In three weeks. That's why I'm so thin. No, (laughs) because I haven't needed to cook. We haven't needed to buy clothes. I haven't even needed petrol money half the time because money's turned up in an envelope from somewhere (laughs) or somebody. Our little girl. We got not one, but... Two sets of (laughs) neutral. That's love. That's what the Lord's Prayer does to you. It reminds you that you're a (laughs) family. that we're brothers and sisters. And let me tell you this, church. Not because you do it for this reason. You did it for love. But let me tell you this, Matthew 25. I tell you the truth, says Jesus. Whatever you did, but one of the least of these brothers of mine. You did it for me. One day, you will hear that from Jesus' lips. Okay. One day. In Galatians, we're told We're told to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And James adds, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. You know, sometimes, I say this all the time as a pastor, don't I? I've been there when I've needed it myself. Sometimes you just want someone to talk to Just share. They can't fix all your problems because they may may be insurmountable, impossible, but sometimes you just need someone to listen to you. Problem share is a problem. Someone just to give you a hug. Pray with you. That's what brotherhood looks like. That's what it means when we open the Bible and pray, Our Father. It means that a million and one images have flashed across our minds where there's been a million and one circumstances where we have been a brother, been a sister to someone, or receive brotherhood, sisterhood from someone. The Lord's Prayer triggers that. And he goes, look, how far does that go? And I don't think it, I think the Lord's Prayer has to remind us not just simply brotherhood of believers, but our relationship to God as Father also means that, that we have a responsibility outside of the brotherhood. All the way out there. Look, this what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44 to 48. But I tell you, love your, you know what follows here, don't you? Enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends of rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Whenever we refer to God as Father in the Lord's Prayer or in any other context, that we're not thinking only of the brotherhood. Oh boy, this is where it gets challenging. But we're thinking of the worldwide fraternal of humans. People who may have done terrible things to us, been terrible in business towards us, been terrible, and how they've treated us in employment, been terrible in what they've and the harm they've caused us as a family because of the way they drive a car. And Jesus reminds us that the responsibility we have towards each other as brothers. And I think I've said this to you numerous times. What brought the Roman world in favour towards Christians who have been persecuted to death is the way that we treated them in spite of their evil towards us. For 300 years, when emperor after emperor hounded and persecuted and tried to eradicate the Christian world by throwing us to lions and animals and burning our homes... Do you know how our brothers and sisters responded to that? Towards the agitators. They loved them. They were good to them. Boy, it sounds impossible, doesn't it? But they were, and so revealed that they were truly (coughs) sons and daughters of a heavenly father. And just lastly, and I'm, I'm almost done now. Hey, the last thing, we, when we pray our Father, we're thinking of the brotherhood, aren't we? But there's a specific brotherhood there that we've missed out so far. What is it? We're thinking of the brotherhood laterally here, horizontally. There's a brotherhood that I missed out. What is a unique brotherhood that, that comes out Every time we refer to God as Father, what's the brotherhood that's unique here? It's, it's Jesus. The heating will go back on in a second, Jerry. It's Jesus. Can you see this? Is, we're not just brothers and sisters here, but in Jesus, teaching us this this prayer, can you see what he's saying? He's saying to a guy he's found on a dump heap who's an orphan, homeless, he's saying, hey buddy, you come and live with me. And my dad will be your dad. My dad's really good. He feeds me every day. He clothes me. He gives me stuff. He's a really good dad. And he's really kind. And if you come home with me, he'll be your dad too. He'll take care of you also. We can be brothers. You can share my room. You can play with my toys. In Jesus teaching us to pray our father, he was saying, you know what he was saying to us? You and I are going to be brothers. And everything I own, everything that's mine, is yours. Listen to this, listen to this. Romans eight seventeen. Now, if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Hey, this brotherhood, when we think of it in the Lord's Prayer, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, I want you to remember this. It means Jesus is owning me and you as his brother. And he's sharing. And how much does he own? How much does he own? Psalm 50. If I needed anything, says God, I wouldn't tell you. You know why? Because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. When you pray Jesus' prayer, you're reminding yourself that he's invited you into his home, into his family. And he shares everything he has with you. And so in turn, we share all that we have with one another. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.